Let's Talk It All. I'm Anvil. And I'm Jeff. And we're here to talk about a lot of things. Maybe not all things, but a lot of things tonight. We try to talk about all We try to talk about We try to get a little smattering of this, that, and everything else. Smattering. Smattering. I'm going to have a new vocabulary, and I'll tell you why a little bit later in the show I'm developing a new vocabulary. New vocabulary. That's new good. New vocabulary. Uh, I have to get rid of the F word. I use it way too much, so I'm going to work really hard on not using the F word. Just say, like, fork. 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 Yeah. yeah. The, the fork. The fork. He's full of shirt. Yeah. Or frack. Frack. You know. Their science fiction good terminology. What was it from? Mouse Dark Galactica. Thank you. Frack. That's right. Frack. Frack it all. Fracking. Fracking. They turned that into the abomination of drilling for gas. Well, you know. In the shell layers um, of the earth. Interesting thing about that, and I thought about it today. Um. I am going to start contacting uh, well workers, you know, that, that mm-hmm. do that for work, uh, that suck the pipes or whatever, and see if they had reported any strange occurrences with, uh, you know, our Mr. Sasquatches out. In the oh, world. that's so true. That might be something. Yeah, I just thought about that today, actually. So that is one of my uh, to-do list. Let's do. And uh, I think you and I were planning a Sasquatch operation. Uh, at some point, um, we were talking April, but. Mother Nature has not not cooperated. That's that's saying it lately. Uh, we're talking. Well, I mean, most of Mystic. I think it was supposed to be today. We're supposed to get snow and ice and stuff today, but <laughs> it's still crappy weather. Uh, we had one, we had one and a half days of nice weather, um, and we have not seen anything since. So, uh, yeah. I'll be up for that when we get a little more. I was thinking actually the last week of June sometime. Last week of June? I don't know what they're going on. I can even during the week. I'm going to take a I think It would have to be because I'm, yeah. I'm going to take a week of vacation. Getting weekends off yeah. is so. damn near impossible. Yeah, I'm going to take job. a week of vacation, so we should probably think about yeah, that. Yeah, we should talk about that. Yeah. Uh, so what's, uh, what's going on? What, what do you got uh, uh, agenda? My uh, agenda. So, um, those first few days after our show, yeah, I got home and, you know, I spent a lot of time carousing Facebook and things like that and social media and very, some disturbing things, some disturbing trends uh, that I, we've talked about on the show, but more and more, they just keep rearing their ugly heads. And the fact that our youth have no clue, the young people, the you know, the millennials, I guess. That's anyone born after 2000? Is that millennials? Like All right, so we're 2018. So basically 18-year-olds and youngers have no clue about things. Uh, one of the disturbing polls I saw taken is that uh, an event that was, I want to say, is, is historic and horrific and should leave a lasting impression throughout history, uh, the Holocaust and the, the death camps. Um, millennials, a little under half, I think the numbers were 43-ish, up into near the 50% mark, have no clue what Auschwitz was, have no knowledge of the Holocaust and what that was all about and that just baffles me 
baffles me that that these things in history, these horrible things in history, and I get the horrible things, and we try to protect our children from horrible things, but you can't you can't hide the history, especially on things like that. Yeah, well, they, that's unfortunate what they try to do. Yeah, there's a big uproar right now. If you saw about the the history book, um, I can't remember what state, Wisconsin, Nebraska, something like that. Anyway, they inter, they're introducing a new history book or something, and uh, it's very it's over Fox News and Angers, you know, very very anti-Trump and their supporters and that kind of thing. Trying to rewrite history, actually, and kind of sugarcoated Hillary Clinton in it. And, um, it's actually. Uh, Making a big uproar, you know. And that, it's just more the left wing people trying to push the, the agenda of you know socialism slash communism onto the American people. Well, that's part, of the, that's part of the problem right there. Because right, I'm telling you right now, Hillary Clinton and and Trump. I get these things happened yesterday, but these people aren't history. These people aren't worthy at this point of being no. taught. In history class in schools. No, but what, yeah, exactly what I'm saying. But they're, why they, re, they're already trying to rewrite history. That, but they're why are they even including this crap? And did they eliminate the Holocaust section of Probably the history they, book? They could to make room you know. for Hillary. Yeah. You know, um, I know I told the story. I'll make jewels. I know I told the story when we did our Pearl Harbor show. Um, one of our dealers, and he's not. I don't. Phil's probably. I just made up that name, Phil. That's not really his name, Phil. He's probably mid-20s. So he's not... Uh, he might be a millennial, but I really don't think he is, per se. But we were at the dice table. We were, you know, one of the customers that's something about being Pearl Harbor Day and blah, blah, blah. And, uh... Phil said... That. I didn't... No, I had no idea about it. And the guy says, how could you not know it was Pearl Harbor Day? And Phil's response was, why would I know it was Pearl Harbor Day? <laughs> and I didn't say anything then, and I waited a couple of days, and I, you know, I asked, said something to him about it. He's like, it doesn't, it doesn't affect me. It was long before my time. It doesn't affect me. Why would I know that it's Pearl Why would I give a shit about history? And that's really what we said, but that's, what, that's the impression I guess. Why should I give a shit about history? If it's not affecting me right now at this moment, that's what I'm saying. We're gonna, I, I'm, we're probably one generation away from not knowing what 9/11 significance is. Yeah. If if it wasn't for the conspiracy buffs, it'd be a forgotten story. It'd be a forgotten story already. <laughs> I, and it's just, and this is the generation. This is the, these are the young adults that are going to be making decisions for us that they feel they can make decisions for us now. This is the ones that are marching because they don't grasp what the Second Amendment means. They don't know. Some don't even know what Second Amendment is. Uh, they've done those men on the street, men on the streets, and they've gone out and interviewed people. They don't know what the Second Amendment is. They don't know why they're marching. They're just marching because of this, that, and the other thing. When Polytech students go out and do interviews to see just how dumb their fellow students are and ask them questions. Who won the Civil War? And they can't answer the question, who won the Civil War? How can you not answer the question, who won the Civil War? Exactly. How can you be that? Or, or who did we get our independence from? And not know. 
The Democrats. Or, well, yeah, you would hope. <laughs> or not know, you know, a ballpark of the year. You know, they can't get it into the 1700s on some of these answers. Yep. So, it, it's scary. And it's scary because these are the people making decisions. These are the ones that are making the outcries. These are the ones that are affecting change that really shouldn't be happening. And this is all leading up to what really bothered me on some of the news feeds this week is that there's this all this new resurgence to eliminating Confederate monuments and uh, cities and organizations that no longer feel they want to take care of Confederate cemeteries or they want to get rid of Confederate cemeteries. Um, people, this is part of our history. Like it. Good, good, bad, or indifferent. This is part of our history, you know. So don't, so don't sit and say, "Well, I want to take down this statue because you know this, that, and the other thing." But we need to make sure that we include in our history books the fact that we gave blankets of smallpox to the Indians. Yeah, and I'm not saying I'm proud of that either. And I think, I think all that should be in the history books at this point. I get it. Columbus was some bitch and tried to. <laughs> Did a lot of things that, you know, by 21st century standards, he probably shouldn't have. Maybe even by 17th century standards, he probably shouldn't have. But you know what? It's, it's part of our history. Yeah, you, can't, you can't erase it. You can't go through and change it. Yeah, and they've already killed. Look at, look at all the, the things they've killed. They've killed Santa Claus on us. Oh, yeah. You know, can't have a goddamn Christmas tree anywhere in a public place. God forbid. You know, uh... Poor goddamn Easter Bunny's taking a bullet. Oh yeah, uh, you oh, know, he's just, pepper. Yeah, yeah, you know, it's just. Uh, and I, I'm not blaming blaming uh, Democrats by the way. This, you know, far left. I'm, I'm blaming the far left and uh, you know the non-God believers. I'm blaming them, and uh, you know, I don't understand why we have to bother these son of a bitches every time they, you know, they see a, a, a panty tantrum over a cross somewhere. I don't understand why everyone's bowing to them. I just don't get it. No, that's it. That's it too. Know, they. Then that, that we talked about this a month or two ago about the cross that there, and I guess that was upheld. And they, they know, were being told they got to take that cross monument down because it offends someone that maybe wasn't a Christian in World War II. But I, I, I want to bring us up for the gun debate. I, I did, we didn't really touch on, and uh, you know, you remember the, the the case where the the Christian couple didn't want to provide a cake to the gay couple, and they right. in a lawsuit and. The, court ruled that, you know, they were infringing on their fucking rights, and they, I said the F word, fracking yeah, rights, well, and the gay couple won for like $50 million or some shit like that. You know, um, and then you got, uh, you, you got, uh, what's a sporting goods store in there? The dicks. Where dicks, we're banning, right. Ban dicks because they won't sell guns to what, 18-year-olds? Right. Was that right? Okay, so... They changed their policy. All right, but wait a minute. Isn't that an infringement on someone's constitutional right? They can't buy a firearm. You're refusing to sell that customer... Something you would sell somebody or uh, somebody else? Aren't you infringing upon their right? I'm surprised a lawsuit hasn't been launched yet against Dix for that policy. Their policy cannot infringe upon someone's the constitutional rights. Well, I think they hedged their bets with that, and they eliminated. They, they're not selling assault-style weapons either. Well, like they eliminated a couple different things all at once. No, no, but I'm just saying you, you can't. To me, I get it. No, I know yeah, what you're saying. You're saying, well, he's 18. Well, he's 18, and by law, he has certain constitutional rights at that point. Right. Consider it all. You're infringing upon his rights by refusing to sell him firearms that you would sell someone of a different age. It's age discrimination. And it's against someone's constitutional rights. 
True. You know, that's how I look at it anyway. So I think a lawsuit should be filed, and I think I'll pay for it. <laughs> okay. There we go. Jeff is Jeff, talking all that uh, It's going to sue Dix. Um, right. You're right. And again, that's in the whole thing with the, the cake and stuff. I can understand if this was the only baker within a reasonable distance. If this is the only person that provided that service, <clears throat> then maybe, maybe, maybe. But I'm sure there are other bakers. There's other places to get your cake to make to make this kind of thing. And you're basically saying that your First Amendment rights to be gay supersedes the other person's First Amendment rights to worship in the way they want. Yeah. Now, I get it. You know, in this day and age, being being homophobic is not really cool. Uh, I'm not homophobic. I have a lot of friends who are gay. Or right. Lesbian, yeah, right? That's their thing. That's cool. I don't have a problem with that. You know, and, and a couple of the lesbians were actually kind of up to include me a few times in the past. So I had a lot of fun. You know, no. so I can't bash him. I'm being serious. I, I mean, can't I, bash him. It was a long time before I had around. Yeah, time. I know you are. You know, and uh, I had a great time, so I have to thank him for that. Um, but, you know, I, 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 geez, you know, I just don't know. You know, it's a slippery slope with that stuff, literally. But it's, <laughs> you know, but it, yeah, really. <laughs> but it's the road we're going down. If, <laughs> if you don't agree with me, you're whatever. You're racist, you're phobic. Whatever the case is, and this is where this is where the Confederate thing comes into play. Up until five years ago, six years ago, this wasn't an issue. Confederate flag wasn't an issue. Confederate heritage wasn't an issue. You could see the the stars and bars down south. It was kind of a southern thing. You, yeah. Not just a flag, but it was in designs and artwork and oh, I, things like that. I rode my Harley through Virginia and the West Virginia mountains and everywhere. I literally, like every 10, 15 barns, there would be a freaking big Confederate flag inside of the barn. <laughs> so, why all of a sudden, and I know, it was, I know it was that shooting in the church and blah, blah, whatever, but... Why did this get picked as the target? Why did this? Why all of a sudden, after 150 plus years, are we all with so much other crap going on in the world in our country? Why is this such a deal? It, it's it's not a symbol of hatred. It can be. It can be. Lots of things can be the symbol of hatred. You can make anything a symbol of hatred if you spin it right. A symbol of hatred, right there. Well, yeah, that's, that's, <laughs> yeah. Um, I just this systematic destruction, and it's not just going to be this, the Confederate heritage. It's going to be heritage altogether. Um, give it time. Uh, as wrong as wrong as the Southern states were for participating as the Confederate Army. Um, we were equally wrong to be in Vietnam. 
Yeah, and you know, I, I actually have a different take on the, uh, the Confederate War. Well, yeah, because you were Confederate yeah, general in past life. I was a captain. I was a captain. Owned slaves. Uh, owned slaves. But uh, I, it, I think a big misconception, uh, and it's, you know, pushed and pushed in today's society more than ever, I think, is, you know, so the world is fought over slavery. And uh, it really bothers me because slavery was a major issue. Yes, it was the straw that broke the camel's back. It was not the reason for the Civil War. No. This, the Civil War was fought over because the southern states were sick and tired of the federal U.S. government sticking in the northern states, really, telling them what to do. Basically telling them what to do. And it, there's a lot of issues on trade, uh, uh, production. There's a lot of different issues that all played into that. And when they were told they couldn't basically, you know, about the slave issue, that's the straw that broke the Campbell's back, and I don't think many people really understand that. Um, it was a, it was brewing for a good 25 to 30 years before uh, the Civil War actually broke out. And actually, I took the time when I was younger, and I still had some of the state copy state books. But I, you know, a lot of the governorships, uh, the state, you know, state capitals, they would have these huge debates in the South um, about the Northern states and about the U.S. federal government. Uh, and this is like 20, 25 years before the war. And even then, they were calling for separation. You know, mm -hmm. this congressman from this district or this senator from that district, you know, or the, you know, even the mayors would show up and they were calling for secession. Uh, so, just wanted to clarify that, in my opinion. Uh, I don't blame the South uh, for the Civil War. Uh, you know, some of it was in their, in their view, and I, I tend to agree with them a little bit, you know. Uh, states have rights, and well, and that's and that was about state rights over the federal government, and that's where the issue really arose from. And I can see where they're coming from, so I kind of understand their comments. Well, even that now, I mean, there's still there's talk now that you know this is where it's going. It's becoming you know individuals that feel their rights being traded upon in the federal government. Don't tread on me, bitch. Oh well, yeah, big old <laughs> snake. And you know, there's. Talking, you know, you, you see it. You see the postings, you know, Civil War is coming. This, it's, again, it's going to be the same thing. It won't be about slavery this time. It won't be about those things. It'll be about the fact that the government is doing what they were not supposed to be doing based on our Constitution. That's getting too big and too overbearing. And, you know, I don't want to say, I don't think we're at a tyrannical point yet. But we're getting there. We're getting there, and it's crazy. And to, to Jeff's point, and I've, if I love Lincoln, don't get me wrong, I think he was one of our better presidents. But I think even Lincoln had made the comment or the quote that if the Civil War was just about slavery, we'd still have slaves. True. You know, and I'm not trying to diminish Lincoln and. Once it was once it was thrust upon him, then he was all for, you know, if we're going to do it, then we're going to do it, and we're going to fix things that need to be fixed. And I think at the time, other than you know, don't get me wrong, the Middle Eastern countries and still parts in Africa were all about slaves, but the civilized world had pretty much said we're done with using slaves, except for the America. Yep. You know, England had gotten rid of the practice and, you know, things like that. But, so yeah, it wasn't about slaves. And I don't know why it's being made out that, you know, it's 
it's a symbol of hatred. There, like, there are far more symbols of hatred than than the Confederate flag, and you know. Well, you know, you said you know the government was getting too big, and it is too big now, and they're sticking their nose and everything, and you know, here's a case in point. Uh, under Obama, the EPA grew incredible. I mean, budget, you know, money was given to them. Um, in fact, EPA ended up with their own uh, police force. I don't know if people don't realize this. They had AK-47s, um, you know, or not AK-47s, sorry. thinking the other guy. Uh, but they had, you know, they had, let me use their term, fully automatic, semi-automatic weapons. <laughs> fully semi-automatic weapons. <laughs> fully, yeah. Um, but no, seriously, they had body armor. Um, they did have, uh, you know, uh, I would say submachine guns, but they were, you know. And I think you would find a lot of the agencies that are connected to the government that you wouldn't think having basically SWAT combat gear that's what they had. That's have that's the SWAT combat yeah. gear. They would, and they had their own police force. And the Republicans were saying, well, why, why does the EPA need a SWAT team, you know, a police force of their own? Because normally before Obama came in the office, they would just, you know, under Bush or Clinton or uh, Bush Sr. or, uh, you know, Reagan or Jimmy Carter, you know, if the EPA needed backup, they would call one of the, like the you know ATF or somebody else to come in and help out, you know. And like, hey, we need some assistance on this because we, we, there might be a confrontation. So one of these other agencies would step in and, and work in tangent right. with the EPA. No, the EPA had a huge budget, so they're like, you know what? We need our own police force. So bam, they got their own, you know, totally armored vehicle, all this crap. You wouldn't believe oh, yeah. the stuff they had. So then Trump comes in office, and what do you do with the EPA budget? Sliced it. You sliced it more than half. <laughs> Goodbye, police force. You're all out of jobs. Okay, go ahead. And that truly did happen, by the way. No more police force for Tell me if the EPA needs some money. <laughs> you pack all their shit up and head to the nearest gun show. Yeah. And, and sell some of those guns. You know, and you know what, you uh, you people out there who really support the EPA, and you know, I, I'm, you know, great, good for you. Uh, you know, like tree hunters and Greenpeace, whatever you people are, you know, Dolphin Savers, whoever you are, you know, the bear hunters, you know, you spend a lot of time activate, you know, doing being activist activities and that kind of thing, you know, hold some bake sales, you know, sell some cookies, sell some pies, you know, take some of that money, give it to EPA, you know, yeah. they're, they're hurting for money right now, you know, if you want to do those kind of activities, then you're really helping the cause. You're really helping the cause, so send your money to the EPA because they really do need it. Okay. They do. Yeah. They do. Send, send those pennies, collect up those pennies, mail them to the EPA, tape them to a little envelope, send them in. Yeah. Um, we're, we're systematically getting rid of our history. It's like uh, having an old VHS tape, and you just, you're just writing over it. Just writing over it, putting on something new, putting something different on it. Don't really care about the memories that might be on that tape, you know. But you had to record WrestleMania 93. and Oh, I burnt the ones in my ex-wife. Well, yeah. I'm kicking myself in the ass now because there's websites out there that pay big money for certain type of web, you know, videos. Yeah. I'm pissed. Yeah. <laughs> I'm pissed. Yeah. I could have made a mint. Mint. <laughs> she would have been famous. Great. <laughs> Great. She would have been famous, I tell you. <laughs> so, great. So yeah, I. We we shouldn't be getting rid of monuments. We shouldn't even get rid of cemeteries. We should be 
should be embracing our past. We should. Not be running away from it like little scared little children that need their safe space. And I'm not, you know. And I'm not saying you need to be out there waving the Confederate flag, but you know what? You need to look back and say, you know, these people embraced what made America great. I think as much as the Civil War was a horrific part of our history, it also exemplified what it meant to be an American. They believed so strongly in in their freedoms that they were willing to go to war for it. If it meant war with your own country, then it was war with your own country. You know? Um, I think there's even movements now to eliminate civil, civil war reenactments. Come oh, on. I'm sure. Come yeah. on, people. Yeah. Yeah. Freaking, really? Next thing you know, it'll be shutting down freaking Gettysburg. You know, yeah, well, yeah, yeah. that would be mad. That's the next push. You watch. You know, cut the money to the, the battlegrounds, national parks. That, that won't happen with Trump, though. Trump has, they won't let that happen. No. Yeah. But, so, yeah, I guess, and again, I, I can't say, you know, I, I didn't necessarily want the South to win, but. I am fascinated by the history and the fact that we're eliminating the history, things that should fascinate us and be interesting for us to look at and learn from and and, uh, enjoy to people are like, oh, you know, it doesn't affect me. Guarantee if they came out with some kind of video game that dealt with the Civil War battles and you could put on Xbox and PS... Seven or whatever the hell yes <laughs> it is now, um, they'd be all for it, and you know kids be fine with that. They, oh, ooh, cool, really? Can I get fire get a ball? Get, get a ball <laughs> do that, really? So, yeah, I think we're at a point the adults need to take take some kind of control back. We can't, you know, all you people out there praising these children for leading the way. You're as you're as, you, you're as dumb as they are. Yeah, dumb, dumb. And I got some of those people on my, my Facebook page. I'm like, you can't be that stupid. Really? Are you really that dumb? You remember when you were a kid. Don't you remember what you were thinking? Absolutely. You were thinking about pussy all the time. That's all you thought. Pussy, 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 pussy. Oh, I got to do homework. Pussy, 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 pussy. That's what you thought about as a guy. Okay? Yeah. And I can't speak from a woman's standpoint because I was never a woman as far as I know. But, you know, from a guy's standpoint, huh, pussy was on my brain. Pussy, 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 pussy. But you don't, you don't have life experience to guide you. You haven't made, you haven't made the serious screw ups in your yeah. life to learn. You haven't had the bad pussy yet either. Well, yeah, you, That's to a life learn lesson right there. Let me tell you, mm-hmm. plus that's doing it, Pecker. You got a problem there? Bad pussy. Yeah, sorry from bad pussy. <laughs> but on the upside, Jeff's not using the F word as much. So <laughs> that's right. No, I'm in the pussy. Pussy 18 <laughs> trillion times in the last two minutes. Okay, so. <laughs> killing me. I've been killing me. Speaking of killing and dying and death, uh, this has been a tough week for. I'll call them celebrities. Yes. Uh, the first one to come to my attention that passed on was Art Bell. And I will say, uh, Art Bell is Jeff. And I, great, great, yes. great 
grandfather <laughs> to let's talk at all. Art Bell, if you don't know, and I'll let Jeff talk about because he's probably more familiar than I am. Uh, Jeff Bell, Jeff Bell, Art Bell. Yeah, I'm Jeff Bell. You're Jeff Bell. Yeah, yeah. Art Bell uh, pretty much pioneered the whole paranormal. Yeah, he was. He was. Feet- alien radio show talk show. Cryptic. Cryptic. Uh, Craziness. And yeah. Jeff can talk about he that. He was actually, uh, he was the king of night. You know, the father of night. Uh, you know, we'd come in. Uh, I remember he used to start uh, right around midnight, if I remember correctly, back in the day. Yeah. And uh, I worked third shift, so I'd wait and wait and do my job. And I had radios going all over the place where I was so I could hear it. And it usually ran until like right about uh, five in the morning, if I remember correctly. It was about a five hour <laughs> show. Um, and uh, he covered every single uh, subject. He had excellent guests on. And he, he had a way, Art Bell had a way of making the, uh, the story magic for the mind. Uh, just through his voice. He had a very distinct voice. It was a very cool voice to listen to. And he, had a, he was a great storyteller. Uh, and he knew how to play his guests. Like, oh my God. You know, like yeah. this, this little things he would throw out there. And you can't be kidding me. Oh my God! You know he just had this this way about him, uh, and I never, you know, when I worked, I tried never to miss a show. Um, he was the he was the father of night, and you know people don't realize he at one time had the third largest radio audience in the entire world. Think about that: third largest radio audience in the entire world, uh, and it was nighttime. Can you go at that? If it was, you know, I just it, to me that's my bodily. You know, if you were to put it in perspective, you know, if you level the playing field, put it that way, during the day, uh, because obviously, you know, a vast majority of people are awake during the day, uh, he would have been number one. There's no doubt about it. You know, if he had the same list in, uh, he, by tenfold, uh, that's how incredibly insanely popular uh, he was, you know. So, uh, yeah, our bell was, he was the man. Well, and, and he spoke to people that were in the closet, so to speak, not homosexually in the closet, but people that believed in Bigfoot and UFOs and yeah. the paranormal. Those, that really wasn't it wasn't mainstream. That stuff wasn't mainstream. Yeah, and uh, it was the it was odd and made for great television once in a while when you had to find Leonard Nimoy to host it. Yep. You know, but he spoke to a huge segment, which is his popularity. Because these people had nowhere else to turn to, nowhere else to go. There was no internet yet. There was yeah, no nowhere to tell their stories. No AOL.com. Yeah. There was no dial-up network. This is where people that everyone else would view as not normal felt normal. Coming from you, coming to you from the kingdom of Nye. Really? Yeah, that's what he used to say. You know, so uh, yeah, he was he was the man. He's gonna be, he's gonna be missed. He. Uh, Pioneered the way for for a lot of a lot of things that we have now, and again, people just don't acknowledge that or understand that. But we are halfway in. We are half hour in. Not halfway, half hour in. And I would like to recognize Diversity Broadcasting Network. Oh, isn't it someone's birthday? It is Renee, who is our fearless. Broadcast Network Executive and allows us to do what we do without being shut down or having our door kicked in. Uh, her birthday, 
Today? Or yesterday? Today. Yesterday. Today? Yesterday. Know, it was yesterday. Right. I think it was yesterday. We're within the 24-hour time period that Renee had a birthday. <laughs> um, so we say happy birthday, Renee. Happy birthday. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday, Renee. Happy birthday to you. All right. So, that didn't just put people over there. It'd be like those alien heads exploding in the Mars attacks. <laughs> so... Uh, one of Renee's pet projects that she's working with other people on is called Biz Exposure. And Biz Exposure is a business opportunity for businesses to get on to Diversity Broadcasting Network and other places and get their business name out there. So I'll let Renee and her friends talk about this, and we'll be back in a moment or two. Hi, my name is Vin Gleason. I'm the Director of Marketing for Biz Exposure. And my name is Renee, and I'm the CEO of Diversity Broadcasting Network. We have partnered up with Biz Exposure to help lift your business off the ground. With over 31.8 million views to date, you can get your ad seen instantly. Our digital signage technology can drastically change and improve the way your company interacts and communicates with your customers. This allows you to deliver a personalized and instantly updatable message when and where is most effective for you all the while reducing your costs and increasing your revenue. Join the ranks of many other growing businesses. Building a synergy between our advertisers, our hosts, and our team of representatives and resellers is our biggest priority. Contact me at vin at bizexposure.com or call me personally, 315-209-5044. Partner with us. Our partnership with local business owners like you is the foundation of our business model. We extend opportunities and power local businesses. And we're back, and oh thank you for God, that. Back, and biz exposure, keep that in mind. I got something to expose. Oh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Barely. Anyways, let's talk goats. Let's talk goats. Stop it. Uh, so, Art Bell, the second celebrity, and this to me, this guy is. This guy was, uh, I think I first saw him in the movie Full Metal Jacket. I was going to say Platoon, but it wasn't Platoon, it was Full Metal Jacket. Uh, Lee Ermey, also known as The Gunny. Yeah, he was definitely typecast as the drill instructor from the Marine Corps. Yes. Uh, I think that's the only time you ever saw him in any movie, in one form or another, either active or retired, but he was... He was the gunny sergeant that was shaping boys into men and turning them into killing machines and sending them out to battle. Um, he played his part well. Yeah, he did. He played his part well. Um, like I said, the first time I saw him was Full Metal Jacket. And I really don't watch the rest of the movie. I just watched the first half hour with the basic train of Paris Island. Just see see him and just what he says and stuff like that. Um, and I will tell you, he probably, probably candy coated some of it from what I understood from my dad, when he did talk about his days in the Marine Corps, um, the uh, drill instructors of the Vietnam era were a little more 
control than the drill instructors of the other two previous wars. I have a, I have a story that ties into this. Do you? Yes. Okay, let's uh, hear here it. I am. I'm 20 years old because before my father passed away. And, you know, a bunch of my friends decided to join the Navy. True story, right? <laughs> yeah. Um, and uh, I'm like, all right, well, you know, that sounds like a good idea. You know, I'll do that too. Yeah. So we all too. went down. I'll and, do that too. You know, we're all talking to the Navy recruiter. Everyone's doing, they're all signing up together and blah, mm -hmm. blah, blah. And uh, anyway, I had to come back to fill out some paperwork and, you know, something was forgotten, whatever. And I get, I'm coming back and uh, I walk upstairs and this Marine recruiter guy sees me and goes, hey, you. And I kept walking. Hey, you. I'm talking to you, son. <laughs> it's like that. Back in. Yeah, right. He's, get in here. So I walk in and he goes, where are you going? I go, I'm on the Navy recruiter. <laughs> you don't want to join the goddamn Navy recruiter. Why are you joining a bunch of pussies? You're right around the For 30 minutes, I got to watch this video of these this marching band from the Marines doing something, nice. right? Just, yeah, it wasn't nice. It was boring. I'm like, how long am I going to sit here with this guy, right? He goes, don't get your plug going. And this guy's just going off and off and off. So then, as this going on, you know, all these, these recruits show up from the Marines. There had to be six of these guys, right? And there's another drill sergeant. He's he's doing the whole thing. These guys aren't even Marines yet, right? And they're already lined up and taking orders. And it was nuts. I'm like, what will you be nuts? So then I, I get my self out of there. And I get over back to the Navy. And, you know, he see, oh, they grabbed you, didn't they? I go, yeah, Jesus, it's freaking Marines, you know. Yeah. Don't tell them, but, you know, they're a subdivision of the, the Navy. Navy. They yeah. hate that, they you know. Hate <laughs> yeah. <laughs> He goes, so we're, we're shooting this shit. He was like, hey, we're going bowling next weekend. You want to go? This is what we, you know, the recruits of the Navy did. They went bowling. They went golfing. We did cool things. Nah, nah. The Marines, no, nope, nothing cool. Oh, we're going to go camping. You're going to learn some survival skills. That's what well, yeah. they did. That's really cool. That, that's Marine cool. Yeah. So anyway, true story. really happened. Yeah, Marines are, Marines are a subset of the Navy. They... They have their own branch, but they don't have their own branch. There's the Army and the Navy. U.S. has two basic military functions, Army, Navy, and the Marines fell into the Navy aspect of things. Um, so, although I, I did see something where there's been some proposal to combine the Marines and Army into one unit, and that would just be... <laughs> that would just be a disaster. They, yeah. they don't want to go down that road. No, they don't want to do that. They, they may want just to, to acknowledge it's part of the Navy and let it go at that. Yeah. But, um, yeah, so, uh, again, loved him. He does, and he did his own, he had his own history channel or yeah, yeah, that, that's right. something, yeah, that's the gunning, yeah, yeah, yeah. talked about different things and dealt with battle and guns and weapons and things like that. I mean, going to be missed. Going to be yeah. missed. He was a very iconic character. Uh, another one that died, and we just, I just found this today, was... Harry Anderson, and some people, most people, most, most of our audience, yeah, they, they, they won't know him. Um, he played the judge on Night Court. Night Court, yep. He was the judge in Night Court. He also had a reoccurring role on Cheers, Cheers. as Harry. Harry the Con Man. Con Man, yeah. Um, and he, I'm sure he's done other things. But those are the two I know him from yeah. the most. I love Night Court. Um, a great show. Funny, funny guy. Yeah. Uh, Bit of a magician, 
Uh, that was part of his night course. He was a practicing magician and, you know, his uh, role on Cheers. He was always doing sleight of hand yeah, and timing and stuff. And uh, night course was hysterical. Uh, if you guys don't, and some of it may be offensive, so you may not want to watch it, but you want to see some of the better comedy back in the day, uh, Google Night Court, YouTube Night Court, and just watch some of the episodes. Um, just a crazy cast of characters that each one went on to their own thing for the most part. Uh, some more famous than others, some not. But uh, he died. He, he was only 65. And that's... Gotcha. He was only 10-ish ten ten years younger, older, older than me. Wow. So that's scary. But I know I've... I know I'm going to die here shortly, so it doesn't matter. Don't, don't say that. Oh, Who's going to do the show with me? Uh, oh, God. We'll find someone. Look at that. Yeah, no one could take your place. Do radio show for food. Down the corner. <laughs> do radio shows for food. Um, so, yeah, we've had some deaths this week, and that's unfortunate. Uh, they come in threes. They always say they come in threes. Deaths come in threes. This one hit bing, bam, boom. Um... I think I saw Art Bell Thursday, Wednesday or Thursday, Thursday or Friday, and then uh, the Gunny was, I saw that yesterday, I believe it happened last night, or Saturday, and then uh, Harry Anderson was today, so sad, very sad, very sad, very sad. Um... So, uh, on top of all that, we did we did launch uh, a couple tomahawks into Syria. Um, mixed reports. Uh, overall, the reports said we didn't hit anything, didn't do anything. Uh, said the Russian anti-missile technology seems to be working fine. Um, we actually used brand new weapon technology. Oh, we didn't use tomahawks? No, we did, but we also used some brand new weapon technology on and top did, of those. And it didn't work out well? No, we, we hit our targets. We destroyed all three of them. Oh. I don't you, you follow the story at all. Okay, do you want me to talk about this? I'll talk you about this. You better talk about I this, Because really last time I knew, we, we fired 112, only two of them hit something. No, and, no, no, no. We, and, uh, that's all and, propaganda. Uh, it was not just us, but it was the, uh, the French, um, oh, French and the, the British. Um, the British uh, used their, uh, their tornadoes. They were shooting their own missiles from their tornado planes. Um, the French used the Mirages. Uh, I can't remember the other plane they used, but the Mirages were involved. The Mirage is a great jet, by the way. Mirage 3000 or 2000 are great jets. Um, and then, of course, uh, we, uh, we had submarines, we had destroyers firing missiles. Um, I want to say, I'm pretty sure the B 2 stealth bomber was involved as well with some missiles. Oh, sure. probably, that was probably the more advanced stuff. But no, we obliterated uh, three different targets. Uh, with no human casualties that we're aware of. Uh, we took great strides in to avoid Russian and Iranian forces. Uh, I don't think we really cared about Syrians, but we made sure that there was no uh, collateral damage, meaning, you know, civilians and that kind of thing. Um, so uh, it was, uh, by all measures, it was success. Uh, the missiles, I think almost all missiles hit their target on, on, on target and destroyed. Uh, the Syrian forces did launch... Uh, after the missiles hit, <laughs> oh, okay. After the missiles hit, uh, the Syrian forces launched um, anti-missile uh, technology, weapon platforms uh, to take out the missiles. So about 40 of their anti-missiles went into the air and came down somewhere because they weren't aimed at anything. Um, 
they literally launched him after the missiles hit. That's how fast our attack was and how accurate. And we used some different technologies to fool the Russians and the Syrians as to what we were doing and what the missiles were going to hit. So uh, we used a lot of countermeasures and that kind of thing. Um, so yeah, that's uh, it went down. It was 100% successful. Uh, I'm not a fan of this. You know, I was strongly against this action. Oh, yeah, but but uh, we, we, we took a measured step, even though it was wrong, we took a measured step. And I'm glad, I thought for sure they were going to try and kill Assad, uh, which I really think would have just been a disaster and would have led to World War III in the long run. But uh, we didn't do that, so that's great. Hopefully they got the message, even though I don't believe they're the ones who used the chemical weapons, but regardless. So, that's my thought. So you mentioned the British. Yeah. The England folk. Yeah. We're helping. Yeah. And they got their own issues. Well, I mean, England's got their own issues going on right now. Uh, they got their own political turmoil going on. The Tories and the Labour parties. Oh, uh, yeah. The parties are Republican or whatever. Yeah. But, um, and I don't know if we talked about last week or not, the fact that uh, they've banned knives. <laughs> Get out of here. Did you you haven't seen this? No, I didn't. You must not talk about this because you would remember. So, not this week, but the past week. And I probably should have mentioned the last show. Uh, statistics came out, and London had a higher murder rate than New York City or whatever, Chicago, whatever it was. Right. London now top, topped the international list of most murders in a city. Wow. So the gentleman, I believe he's a Muslim because there's all kinds of static about that. Uh, that's the mayor, governor, whatever he is in <laughs> London, issued a ban on edged items. There'll be no edged, more knives. You edged, gotta slip me, but no more knives. Edged <laughs> items. And I think this covered a lot of things and stuff. I, I, again, I, you see a lot of the sarcasm on, on the internet <laughs> on things, but, um, you know, Knives, kitchen knives, steak knives. Oh gosh! Um, yeah. I think the scissors might have fallen into that. It was like <laughs> it's like the shit they won't let you take on an airplane at this point. Um, so yeah, England's got a bunch of their own craziness going on, and uh, they didn't reinstitute guns. They still don't have the guns either. But now they don't have sharp sharp sticks either to go with that. So uh, harsh language and some stones. But that's only a matter of time. Well, they won't get rid of the stones because that's how the majority of their population now takes care of the problems. But stoning people because the majority <laughs> of their population now is Muslim and and whatever. But um, I feel bad because I found out this week that I am eighty six percent English. No shit. I am Alania. What the hell was that? Uh, no, I said no. Oh. Um, <laughs> um, a lot has been wanting to do the whole genetic testing through ancestry.com. So, I don't know. She had a credit card in her hand, it was four in the morning, <laughs> and uh, they're running a special on the DNA testing, two for one. Or well, four in the morning, and I have a credit card, I'm going to porn slave. But go ahead. Yeah, well, same <laughs> difference. So, uh, 
she said she ordered two of the kits and sure enough she did they showed up and yeah yes spit in a tube and seal it up and send it off to ancestry.com so Experiencing technical difficulties. <laughs> so, um, so she did. So I said, you know, and I'm like, you know, I'm not going to be so naive at this point to say, I, I'm sure my DNA is on file someplace. I've never submitted to it, but I really believe it's, it's sort of like my credit and stuff. First of all, you don't want to steal my credit because. My credit's so bad, you don't want it. So that's how I fight identity theft. But um, I'm sure somewhere, somehow, someone has my DNA on file. And if they really wanted it, they could have it. So I didn't care. Um, although I didn't authorize them to use my DNA for any kind of experiments or things like that. Because uh, part of what they do with that is uh, basically you sign off your rights on your DNA. And uh, if they find genetic markers, things like that, that eventually lead to a cure for cancer or whatever uh, it might be, um, you have no claims on that. Like, it may be your DNA that found that key element to cure cancer, but you're not going to get any of the billions of dollars that they're going to make off that cure oh, sure. um, to, because you signed away your rights for the DNA. So I didn't, I didn't agree to that, but I would let them test it. So, yeah, they came back, and uh, I got my results a couple days ago. I was very surprised. I thought it was going to be more weeks. And uh, so I'm looking at this. And you see the commercials. I don't know if you guys have seen the commercials. You see commercials, and they always have the portrayal of this person that's got, like, eight, nine different countries in their genome, and they're from Scandinavia and Japan. And first of all, you, got, you really got to look at some, how these people be that much of a mutt? They had that much mixed ancestry going on. So I pull up my thing and, uh, you know, it says uh, ethnic background. And it's got a little pie chart, right? I'm looking at the pie chart and I'm like, it's three quarters, one color. <laughs> I think, well, that just must be a generic, like, right. graphic. There must be something more to it. So I pull it up and up. That, that's, my, that's, my, that's my specific graphic. 86% British Island. What's the other percentage? Uh, the other... The other nine, there's some missing percentages in there. The other nine are miscellaneous regions, everything from uh, Ireland and some hey, European... Hey, brother, how about yeah, you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, some European countries, uh, Scandinavian stuff, uh, but nothing, you know, nothing Asian, nothing. Uh, there was a less than 2% possibility that I got a little Jew in me. So, there you go. Hey. Hey. <laughs> so, um, Muscle talk. What, I, what I found, <laughs> what I found, but I'd be fun to see what Alani's comes back as. Um, I had done a lot of research on my family tree prior to shipping off my DNA to these people. So, if they took one look at my family tree that I've researched over the last few years, they're going to have to come back and say that I'm 80. Six percent English, because that's what all my ancestors are. You know what I'm saying? Right, right. Like if my DNA came back said that you know I've got ten percent Asian and you know thirteen percent 
African and no Native American. I don't know what that's about, but whatever. So I'm, I can't help but think that I kind of know what the results were going to be before I got it. I just thought there'd be more, a little more variety in there. But, so I'm working on new words like smathering and chip chip imperio and, and all these other things. Develop a hankering for, you know, fish and chips and fish and chips. There you go. I guess I'll have to learn to like stout beer and shit like that. So, stout beer is good. But, so, we're going to see what Lonnie has. I'm curious to see what Lonnie shows up as. Um, hopefully, she has a little more diversity in her background. I think she does, but I was going to show up. But, uh, yeah, I didn't. Uh... I didn't uh, give my DNA out. Uh, my uncle actually did it, and my, one of my mom's uh, sisters did it. Mm-hmm. So we have a good idea of right. where everything comes from. But uh, I, I didn't give it out just for a simple fact. I'm afraid of that kind of shit. Um, you know, I don't know if you're aware. And most people forgot this, but it was, what, 2002 that Eve was born? The first human clone? It was a sheep, right? No, Eve was a human being. The first human clone was uh, born in uh, 2002. Oh. Uh, it was all hush hush and you know, you know, where the baby was living now. That was uh, that was the sheep's name. Shit, I can't remember now. Uh, Will would know. Uh, but anyway, uh, <laughs> 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 sorry, Will, just picking on you, man. Uh, no, seriously though. Uh, yeah, the first human I do remember something about this, yeah, yeah. Yeah, but that was in 2002. So how old would that kid be now? 14? Well. 14, 15? 2002, and this is 2018. 16. 18 minus 2 is... Yeah, 16. 16. Yeah, 16 years old. So, you know, the first human clone, 16 years old, it's a girl. Um, and it was, you know, the, it was a clone of its, its a mother, obviously, the woman who wanted to, you know, anyway, uh, which is fascinating. And I don't think that's the only one, I think, with enough money... Uh, there's more of these clones running around that we're aware of. The only reason I'm bringing this up because we hit DNA, and I just started thinking of this. Uh, and I had researched it uh, a week ago or two weeks ago, and I forgot to bring it up. Before, but well, I just, bring it up now. I just saw something. Just saw something about someone was growing human parts in animals. Yeah. Through cloning technology. Well, they were doing that uh, when I worked at Sam's Club. I remember I walked. I, I used to watch CNN every night before I went to work, uh, when CNN was actually really news. And uh, it was going on third shift, and it just literally had to be 15 years ago. And I was watching it on TV, and I'll never forget it because there was a frog, and they had a human ear growing in the back of the frog. A human ear, human ear growing in the back of a frog, and it was all genetic. You know, they injected the genes or whatever the fuck they did, and they, they cloned the ear on the back of a frog. And I remember, I went to work and I told people, they're like, oh, you're full of shit. And I'm like, no, no, really, dude, I watched it on TV there. It was right on CNN. You know, no one believed me. And then the next day it was in the paper, and I'm like, oh, yeah, I guess you were right. I'm like, yeah, but that was 15 years ago. I mean, what they can do today, just, you know, people keep going to the dentist, and I'm like, why do people go to the dentist? Sit it out a little while. They're literally, they have the technology now to clone their own teeth. It's just not widely used, but it's already there. They can do that. You don't need to have fake teeth put in anymore. Pull that shit out, get one clone, put another one in. Super glue it. You're all good to go. You know? Well, actually, not so much glue one in. <laughs> is, uh, with stem cells, they can actually 
regrow it right right in right, place. right in place yeah i'm right being a funny guy okay i get that i understand how it works but the problem with stem cells where do stem cells come from uh apparently they can come from fat cells <laughs> now because and i don't know if i talked about this last week no either. you didn't no um apparently they are able to take fat cells and somehow convert them into stem cells that's good i like to hear that to use to rebuild uh like knee joints and arthritic parts and things like that um i'm excited about this oh yeah your penis will finally work again i, oh! I am excited about this because i am a little stem cells factory here i have millions and millions of dollars with the stem cells that i'd be more than happy to donate to whoever wants them there you go Can you pay for the loophole <laughs> suction and you can have my stem cells and do what you want um so yeah the technology the technology is getting there technology is getting there uh unfortunately i'm not really sure if we're wise enough to no we're not wise enough no absolutely not no no we're gonna have you know you know people are you know, i pointed this out let's talk ghosts i think when i did that show we might did it in that show and i said you know the big fear really is uh genetic uh, uh manipulation uh that that's the big thing because we, we did the human genome so we have a good right. idea where everything, how everything works and you're going to have a society where it's been as far as i know it's been banned in the united states but i don't think it's been banned everywhere it's definitely not banned in china it's not banned in japan it's not banned in russia but you're going to have a certain group of people the millionaires the one percenters if you will uh, to have the money to pay to have, you know, to have their child genetically enhanced by the cell as an embryo and, you know, make it smarter and faster uh, and bigger than a normal human. So when the kid is born, it's already got two legs up on everybody else. Mm-hmm. You're going to have a whole new, whole new class of citizens. So you have all these superhumans being born by rich people. So you now have a class system. What's going to happen over time is normal kids that were produced by you or me, or semi-normal anyway, mm-hmm. <laughs> you or me, we're going to stand a chance. We're going to be janitors, man. It's all going to be good for them. Because this, the, the kids that are genetically enhanced, we're going to have all the, the good jobs and be in the positions of power. They're really going to have a true class system. And that's the real fear. And then the other fear is, what happens if there's uh, mutations down the road that they don't see for 40, 50 years? You know, and these things, you know, they start growing out third penises and stuff. Or, you know, weird shit happens. You know, I mean, like in the third eyeball in the back of their head, you don't know, you know, we don't know what's going to happen. You know, uh, it, it's, it's, uh, it, it is a very scary, very scary scenario. It's almost as scary as artificial intelligence. It is. You know, so that, it's very scary. Can we talk a little bit about this on our third show? We did. We yeah. did. Artificial eugenics. Intelligence. We dealt with eugenics on yeah. our third show. Yeah. We dealt with the artificial intelligence, too. That was a separate show. But yeah. We dealt with the uh, eugenics and the gene manipulation and, you know, basically growing superhumans, super soldiers. That's out there. They're trying. They guarantee that's where it is. Military is doing the, trying to create a super soldier. I'm very impressed that you can remember what show it was. You know why? Because I don't remember where I talked about it. I just knew I talked about it. Oh, we did. We did. We yeah. Did. That's awesome. We did. It was, uh, if it wasn't two, it was three. It was, it was one. It was some of those first shows we did. We talked about it. So, you know, I was one of those things who, I don't know what prompted it, there was some, must have been something in the news or something, but uh, there could have just been, I was watching the rerun of Star Trek. <laughs> Doesn't matter. A lot of that influences what we're going to talk about that week. You know, um, guess what time it is? 
It, oh, oh, it is that time. It is that time. Well, it's within a minute of that time. What do we have today, sir? Jim Beam Red Stag. Red Stag. Now, For those they don't pay stag us is, to stag tie is their a, products. People stag is a big deer. If I don't like something, I tell you straight up. You want you to do the pouring, sir. You're better at the measuring aspect of things. Um, I don't. Uh, I don't endorse products uh, unless I really like them. So I'm very truthful about my reactions. Um, I think you're the same way. Oh yeah, I'm. Anything Jim Beam, I'm good with. I'm gonna take a I'm a Jim Beam fan. Uh, actually, Jeff, we should have some patriotic music. We should to go with this. We are gonna have some picture of music. We're gonna have ourselves a Confederate. Shot. I think it's a great idea. We're going to do that idea. right now. Or not. No, it's going to Look away, look away, look away, Dixie Land. Look away, look away, look away, Dixie Land. Shut up, we're in Dixie, hooray, hooray. I wish I were in Dixie Land, way down south of Dixie. I know. I want to go out and pick some guy. <laughs> <laughs> I 
<laughs> All right. Yes. Uh, here's the <laughs> swimming pool. Cat pickers. Cat pickers. There we go, man. Uh, Next time, we're going to play music and we're going to sing the whole damn song ourselves. What do you think? Karaoke night. Yeah, we'll do it. I, okay. I know we. we should do that. Or we can pre-record it on a YouTube video. We could. Play it that way. I'm up for village people. <laughs> Just a short diversity. Um, so Jim Beam Red Stag. Basically, it's Jim Beam with a cherry kind of... Kick to it. I actually did like that. Uh, I do recommend it. Yep. Uh, very good. Yep. Jimmy Bird's egg. Jimmy Honey. It's all there. Where were we? Uh, we're talking about genetics. And genetics and Khan. <laughs> uh, that'd be Star Trek to the Wrath of Khan. Look it up. Spock dies. Yeah. And then he's reborn. Reborn. Unless it's the new movies, and then Kirk dies in the three four. Sort of. No, the Star Trek reboot. Oh, I don't watch those movies. You didn't watch those. They, they're actually very good. Jeff doesn't watch them, but no, I, I saw some of good. them. But when they screwed up the entire universe, Star Trek universe, I couldn't watch it. Well, they read it. It's a separate timeline. Yeah. Anyway. <laughs> they're good. Exactly. <laughs> anyway. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> Jeff, Jeff forgets I come to these things armed anymore. Uh, so, yeah, I don't know how we got with eugenics and no genetics idea. weren't even on the agenda. Oh, but, it, oh hey, we the talked. DNA testing. And DNA testing, well, that wasn't reported. Really but, yeah, yeah, I just wanted to say because it was just, it was just funny. Because I did it. I got my DNA done in the, it's kind of fun doing the ancestry thing because you start looking back through and you can find records and things like that. And I've gone back. Early 1700s, late 1600s, um, for family information. I can't, can't go much further because at this point, I've got to start tapping into their uh, international database, and they want like another 30 bucks a month to do that. Mm. I'm not going down that road. So, but uh, trace my roots, and they're back to, for the most part, jolly old England, and. Uh, there's something, there's something, I had to go back through and look, but I think one of my ancestors was related to Till the Hunt or something. I don't know, it was something strange. It was very strange where this ancestry took me. So, but um, they're fun, fun group people, I guess. It's interesting. Yeah. Know where you came from. Yeah. Know where you came from. I came for the baby Jesus. Baby Jesus. Um, I didn't get a chance to look at that whole thing. There was a, a thing today, some article, 15, 15 things you didn't know about the Bible. I didn't get a chance to read it, but it seemed to make me interesting. So. Uh-huh. So, apparently his name wasn't Jesus, but I don't know what it was. I don't think it was Jesus either. It's more of a Mexican thing. Oh, oh gosh. But apparently he was brown skinned, so. Which is. Actually, I'm going to dispute that. Uh, uh, how do you, how do you dispute that? Because uh, he was Jewish. Um, and every Jew person I've ever seen was white as a ghost. Um, Ooh, that's a good, that's a good point. 
Uh, that's a good point. Another thing is, uh, there's a great, I will get the picture, I will find it, and we will get it on our webpage. I'll give it to you to put on our webpage. By the way, I sent you my blog. You did, I got it. Okay. Yeah, transferred something and transferred something, get it on the blog. Okay, no problem. But uh, there is a picture um, from, I think it's 1967, it's a black and white photo. Of uh, Jesus? Of Jesus. Black and white photo of Jesus? Uh, and I think this is... Joseph? Jo- I mean, Joseph? Joseph? Well, his father. Father's God. No, his, 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 his father on earth, the one that raised him. And uh, Mary, up, Mary, no Mary of Mangala uh, is also. Uh, Joseph Mangala? Yeah, Joseph Mangala, exactly. Uh, you're making fun of my speech. I, I, it's I not very nice. just funny bastard. to say your name. Fat bastard. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> Mary Magdalene. Magdalene, yes. Uh, anyway. Um, where was I going with this? But there's a, a black and white photograph. Jesus is white. Uh, it shows Jesus, uh, Joseph next to him, and kind of like looking out, like next to Jesus. And then uh, Mary is uh, behind them, and she has like an ashen look on her face. Uh, very beautiful. Um, and apparently, the story goes, uh, and I know who the woman's name is, by the way. I'll get that information in more detail for next week. Uh, but uh, she claims that uh, in 1967, uh, aliens arrived and uh, told her that they were going to show her uh, the last days before Jesus. And she, you know, and they transported her or something. And, uh, she was 10 feet away from them and she had a camera and she took a photograph. And uh, that is the photograph that uh, I will share with you all. It's Absolutely, quite, you need to because you've it's got quite me, clear. You've got me intrigued now. It's quite clear. It's really a good photograph. It's white, white, but it's quite clear. It's fascinating. Um, so I'm going to share that, and I'll share that story next week. I'll have all the details of that. Okay? So remind me uh, after the show what I said I do. I'm going to write this down. Write that down. Because, because yes. If the, I think there will be a showdown in the, fu- in, in the future about time travel. Yeah, absolutely. Now, who is that? That is Alani. Oh, Alani. They're very psychic. She must not be feeling good. Uh oh. That's not good. So she's going to bed now. Wow, that's not good at all. It's even early for her, so. Um, it's funny, Heather's not feeling good either, and she's going to bed early. Right. Although she did promise me a fun time with her, so we'll see if she's up to it. Did you did you do your duty last week like you said you had to? What was my duty? Oh, yeah. Oh, God, every night. Are you kidding me? I get worn out. She's a nymph. Anyway, uh, go ahead. <laughs> So, uh, are we going to switch gears now, I think? Is it about time? Oh, I'm sure we should. Probably yeah. should. All right. <laughs> We're going to get into Sasquatch a little tonight. Uh, I did promise some stories. Sasquatch. I have a shitload of stories tonight. Sponsored uh, by Jack Links. I did find this awesome, awesome webpage. And it's... Someone put a lot of thought into this, and they paid money to have this awesome webpage up. Too sure. You can find it at HTTPS, little signs, black slashes... You know what I'm saying. Just go to the www part. Yeah, okay. www, uh, whatever, Z-A-P-A-T-O-P-I dot net backslash B-S-A backslash. Again, that's Z-A-P-A-T-O-P-I dot net backslash B-S-A backslash. And is that it's, Topia? It's, yeah, something like that. It says, join the Sasquatch militia. <clears throat> Ooh. Well, I'm not going to read the whole thing. This webpage is huge. And it's really well thought out. Militia. Yeah. 
The so, right to keep in Sasquatch arms. Sasquatch, the might of the Cascadian is in your arms. Are you an able-bodied Sasquatch, age 10 to 150, who loves his or her country? If so, the Republic of Cascadia needs you to enlist in the Sasquatch militia and defend our homeland against our many enemies, including such nefarious evildoers as Canadians, Southern Californians, uh, paraterrestrials, para I don't know how it is, Americans, international organized crime syndicates, and noisy cryptozoologists. Besides serving in your country, you will also be improving yourself. Sasquatch Militia will teach you many valuable skills that today's employers are looking for in a Sasquatch. You'll gain a sense of determination and confidence that'll help you succeed. You'll also experience companionship with your fellow Sasquatches as you work together to ensure freedom of the Republic of Cascadia. And you, just, this just goes on. You will learn, uh, let's see, extensive combat training will include stomping, learn to use your feet to squash your foe and his or equipment, a basic skill needed by Sasquatch uh, Militia Stormtroopers. Boldly, boulder throwing. Take out the enemy safely from the top of cliffs. Boulder troops are the first line of defense of the Sasquatch militia and will teach you how to become one. Log swinging. Close combat against a number of foes? No problem. There'll be no match for the blunt force of a swirling log. Learn how to choose, uproot, choose and uproot dead trees and proper swinging techniques to avoid back injuries. <laughs> be living. Pulling your enemy's limbs from their sockets may sound cruel, but they would do it to you with no hesitation if they had your might. Sounds like Learn, Chewbacca. Yeah. Learn the best way to do it quickly and efficiently for a minimal amount of suffering. <laughs> and the nice. list goes on and on and nice. on. People, I couldn't literally, I could spend all night going through this webpage. It is gigantic. Someone put a lot of thought into this, and I thought it was hilarious. I had to share it. So, we'll, share it we'll share it on our site as well. Oh, yes, we must. All right. <clears throat> So I'm going to start with some encounters uh, tonight, and the, the first one I have is from a school bus driver in uh, Kentucky, uh, down in Whitey, Whitey Counties, Whitey County. Actually, it's Whitley County, sorry, I don't know if I said Whitey, but uh, <laughs> Kentucky, what the hell I know. Okay. All right, uh, I, I'm talking from that person's point of view. I was a school bus driver at the time, and was heading to my first pickup at approximately 6 a.m., this is a very rural area located in the Daniel Boone National Forest. The road is two-lane, narrow, and winding. Being in late fall, it was still dark outside. As I rounded a curve, I noticed my headlights hit an object on the side of the road. Thinking it might be a deer or large dog, I slowed down quickly. But what I saw was no animal. Something I'd never seen before. I stopped the bus so the headlights were straight on the animal that was crouched down where the white line is on the edge of the road. It seemed to be looking at something in the road, possibly roadkill or even nuts falling from a tree. But to my horror, it admittedly stood up on two legs, like a human, and looked directly in my direction for a split second. It had a grayish, had grayish brown, grayish brown fur covering his entire body. Oops, oops. Am I going to read the stories? You are. Okay. I saw a reflection of its eyes, like a dog's eyes, greenish yellow reflection. Its face was covered in hair as well, but turned, it turned away so quickly, I couldn't see very much detail, except for the eye shine and thick hair cover. In one quick motion, it spun around and turned back towards the woods on the side closest to it. Then it took off running on two legs into the clearing and up an old logging road. I would estimate its height about seven feet, 
and very large stature and wide chest. I attribute the animal not hearing me approach to the driving. I was driving a transit bus at this time that had a rear engine design, which is very hard to hear until it passes, since all the engine noise is directed back to back. I had never had any real interest in Bigfoot prior to this incident, but after seeing it with my own eyes, it really changed you. What I saw was real. So that's the first one, Kentucky. And of course, I had to get a second one from Kentucky. Yeah, this one's in West Louisville, Kentucky, which is, you know, Louisville is a pretty big area. It is. Um, I went squirrel hunting. Well, yeah, I do my southern voice. Sorry, folks, I gotta do this. I went squirrel hunting one morning on the banks of the Panther Creek. I knew it was going to get really hot, so I got an early start around 9 a.m. As I was sitting by a tree, I heard these three loud knocks. It was plain that it was wood on wood. I sat there pondering what could have been happening. What could I tell it was closer than the first time? I quickly eased down the bank closer to the creek and began to walk stealthily towards the area the sound came from last. I was walking in tall, tall cane-like grass that was about half a foot taller than me. I'm five-six, mind you. I came to a small opening in the tall grass and peered through and saw a hair-covered creature bent down looking at something on the ground. My first thought was it was a bear, although bear are very rare in this area, almost unheard of to be honest. Then it stood up erect and I knew instantly it was not a bear. It was nearly eight feet tall. It was covered completely in hair. It was standing sideways to me, so I was only seeing it from the side profile, mind you. The hair from its head was shoulder in length. It was solid black. It seemed to be focused towards the creek and never turned to look my way. But I had the funny feeling that since I was near, or at least something was near, it stood there for at least two minutes and I was damn too afraid to move a muscle. I slowly began to back off as quietly as I could to get away from it. I was hunting with a single shot Steven shotgun but I had put three extra shells in my hand between my fingers for a quick load in case it came after me. I left immediately. As I say it was eight feet tall, covered completely in hair. It was at least two foot wide from stomach to back, looking at it sideways. It had a huge barrel chest. I visited the library later and looked up several books to see if there was anything close to what I saw. I found some books on the subject of Bigfoot Sasquatch, but all the pictures were frontal views. I could not find any side views, but it became obvious I had seen a Bigfoot. I am a 60-year-old, 68-year-old Vietnam veteran. I served in the Marines as a Ford Air Controller. I'm an avid hunter, and I know the woods very well. I've never seen anything even close to this in my entire life. I waited all these years to share this incident out of fear of ridicule. I'm 68, 68 years old now, and I don't care. I know what I saw. I saw Bigfoot. True story. True story. True story. <clears throat> True story. Now, we're going to get to uh, New York State. There's a lot of stories in New York State. There should be an international accent. Yeah. Uh, well, it's in Jeffy's voice. Uh, that was a very southern voice, wasn't it? I much do better at work. I play around on the phone. But... Yeah, I'm pretty sure we insulted all our southern listeners, so nothing personal, just the way it is. <laughs> yeah, it is what it is. Yeah. Okay, this is in Warren County, New York State, uh, Lake George area, which, by the way, that's close. Yeah. Uh, if well, you don't know anything right. about, uh, it's right. like three hours. Yeah, right next to Yeah. If you know anything about Lake George, um, it is a massive Bigfoot hotspot in New York State. That is the area. Uh, Lake George area. 
there's actually a, one area on that lake that a lot of people, uh, Sabbath day point. Uh, there's a, it's all mountainous area, and there's hiking, and a lot of Sasquatch activity in the area. It's on one of my, uh, my list to hit uh, soon, maybe even this summer. Uh, it'll be like a two or three day project because it's such a long drive to get to the back, so it's definitely an overnighter. So anyway, uh, this is uh, July 9, 2000. My wife and I were chased out of the woods by what I am sure was a Bigfoot in Lake George, Buck Mountain region, and the Adirondacks. Uh, in New York and Warren County. The creature observed uh, from us uh, about 100 feet away and broke large branches and made a large roaring screaming like sound at least seven times, which I've heard that myself, folks, so I know that shit's real. Maybe more than, uh, maybe more that could only come from a very large animal. Uh, I've been in the woods uh, with very large bears and have even taken away food bags from bears, but this was no bear or uh, koi dog that was much larger. Uh, did I skip over the part of the story here? Yeah. No, I didn't. Okay, no. all right. No, I'm going to... Okay. <clears throat> I said the F again, didn't I? We never did see it, but we could hear it following us through the trail in the woods, and I've never been so scared in my life. It kept coming closer. We would stop, and it would roar and approach us closer. We were nearly frozen in fear, but managed to collect our things from where we had been resting and nearly ran out of the woods. My wife is a very big skeptic of Bigfoot until this point. The whole time we walked on the woods, she kept on commenting that it was following us. We could feel it watching us and we hear it through the woods. A few times, I saw something moving through the woods parallel with us, but tried not to look as we both picked up large sticks in case it attacked us. There was no one parked at the trailhead when we came out, and I suspect it had followed out two other hikers that had hiked in the earlier ahead of us and just happened to come across us. The sounds we heard that day haven't really bothered me since. I'm literally scared to death of going into the woods alone now, even though I've been hiking for over 20 years. I can't explain the terror I felt from hearing this thing. I feel like I have to go back to the area and check, out, and check it out, but my wife will never go back into the woods after this incident, any woods. That's how frightening things were. So that's one from Saturday Fort. It's the second one, same area. This is August 1992 okay. and 1993. Okay. I heard vocalizations during the week, plus a long, uh, long period in August 92 and May 93. Both occurred at Sabbath Day Point, Lake George, New York, where we owned a log cabin on the water. The sound would start any time from 11 p.m. to 3 a.m. The sound should begin with a whistling and then a thumping sound. The first time I heard the noises, it sounded far away, on top of the mountain behind our house. But within 30 seconds, it was 200 feet away on the main road, Route 9N. A rock cliff rims Bloomer Mountain with a large boulder field heading down towards the main road. It is impossible for anything to climb down under an hour. There must have been two calling to each other. They screamed very, very loudly with chatter squeals and would sound like a woman's laughter mixed in with crying. The hair on the back of my neck would stand up. It was like any other sound I ever heard. I was gripped with extreme fear. Although I managed to eventually shine a flashlight into the woods, I saw nothing. My wife never heard a thing. However, my three-year-old daughter once woke up crying during a vocalization and said the sound of the creature had woke her up. I found it strange that she had said creature, not animal or man. Also about 15 years ago, just south of this area, 
I was in a canoe with my younger brother out for a sunset paddle when we both saw something strange standing on the shore. We were at the base of Deer Leap Mountain, which is a large boulder field running down to the lake. We were about 200 feet out when we saw a thin, brown-haired creature standing erect on the shore about the size of a small man. Its body was facing sideways from us, but its head was looking directly across its left shoulder at us. We did not feel the... Uh, secure, we were any closer than we were. and a strange grin with piercing eyes, almost a manacle look, and long thin arms that did not move as we slowly paddled by. It was not dark yet. The far shore was still lit by the sun, and our shore was now in shadow. As we turned around to go home, we noticed it had climbed a dead pine tree and moved out, of the, uh, out onto the crook of a branch. It was gripping the branch, it cocked its head towards us, stared at us, then turned its head down between its front arms and into its chest. At this point, it became camouflaged to the tree. If you did not know it was there, you would never have thought anything other than a large lump of branch. A footnote to this is a story I read about a thing in New Hampshire called the Wood Devil, which I also had read about, folks. It was known to be to the old hunters to be found in the forest, and whenever a person came near it, it froze, blending it in the trees around it. Story. Um, I want to add to this last summer, I mentioned to an employee at a near y, uh, <coughs> YMCA camp that I heard Bigfoot, uh, wait a minute, that I had heard Bigfoot when she interrupted me to tell me about a thing that she saw she named Monkey Boy. She said it was a small, with brownish hair covering his body. She and another friend saw hopping at the lakeside pavilion and looked at them hop onto the steps and off behind a small wall. And when it looked directly at them, it screamed and ran away. It was the size of a small man. This spot is two miles north of where I heard the noises, and about three miles from where I saw the creature on the shore, and another mile or so from Bucks Mountain. Okay, so, interesting. Yeah. Question. So, you and I have some playing go out and squatch. 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 We're going to squatch. Don't worry, I got a bucket. You do we do we think the local squatches are friendly, or do we think they the, have a taste for white meat? Shall we we say. have not. Uh, we haven't done a really in-depth, you know, show on this, but there is a difference. The Sasquatches out in Oregon, Oregon are, are not very nice. Not very nice. Not very nice. No, no. Uh, Washington and that kind of. They're. Uh, I think they're actually even bigger. Than the East Coast Sasquatches, uh, and folks, I know it sounds weird if you're listening to this. And the reason I know is because all the different reports I've read, and literally, there's probably thousands now that I've read. Uh, but the East Coast Sasquatches, the Ohio, the Pennsylvania, New York State, are, are a tad bit more friendly, if you will, uh, not quite as large. Um, and as far as I know, they no, they don't harm humans. Uh, are, the East Coast. Are we missing people? We are, we are, we are in national forest. Uh, in I know we talked about this. Yes, we are. Yes, um, but it, yeah, again, yeah, you're right. Yeah, Virginia, absolutely. Uh, Carolinas, yes, we are. Uh, Canada, these things are the, quick, right? What's that? They're quick, like ninjas. They move like ninjas. I've heard that term used so many times. I've come to Sasquatch or something, but they move like ninjas. So you got these. Eight to ten feet tall creatures on the east coast side. They move like ninjas. They move like ninjas. Think about that for a minute. 
Oh, I'm thinking. I'm thinking about it. <laughs> oh, I'm thinking about it. All right. Uh, so. Well, look, the area I'm going to take you to uh, actually is in this story. Yeah, uh, there's two stories for that area. Uh, but there's more than that, but there's two I've covered here. Well, we're up to so, two, three, actually. We'll do three stories tonight. No, that's Cemetery Place, right? Yeah, uh, this is uh, the Connecticut Hill. Connecticut Hill. Yes. Uh, area, now, are we on state land or are we on private property? Oh, this is uh, actually owned by the state of New York. It's a wildlife refuge area. But they allow us to go up there. Yeah, you're allowed to go up there. Or we will not be able to camp right. We used to be able to, but the last couple of minutes I tried to get, they denied my permits. Uh, they never give a reason why, and they don't have to because state law works that way. Uh, but there's a state forest directly across the road, mm -hmm. okay, that we can camp out, which I've done many, many times. But, <clears throat> I mean, it's right across the road. So, like, you know, for the Sasquatch in one area, he's all through the whole area. I mean, they're large creatures. I'm sure they have a large rolling radius. Um, but yeah, we're going to be uh, gonna be in there, and we'll get to those stories in a minute. To Alpine, New York. Okay. Okay. So, <clears throat> so I, don't, I don't run well anymore. Well, I, I didn't have I didn't have ninja-like skills. <laughs> well, that's why you're yeah. packing. I always pack. Oh, I don't pack. Right. I just, yeah. so. The question is, you know, where do we stand as far as? We'll get those dirty bagging, thoughts here, Mike. Bagging one of these things, you know what I'm saying? Right. Um, Okay. All right. Well, this is a New York State Seneca Nation property. Mm -hmm. uh, which there is actually a national forest in that in the Seneca Lakes area. I don't people know that, even though it's on Indian land. There's an actual national forest there, um, and I can't pronounce it, so I was going to say it's an Indian named national forest. We'll leave it at that. In New York State. <clears throat> it was late September that I was visiting friends who lived in the edge of the Blank 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 National Forest. The Blank Lake Lake National Forest is probably not listed on New York State Forestry Registry because technically it's on Seneca Nation uh, Reservation property, which is true. Locate Jamestown, New York on a map for Lilydale. There will be the forest that borders this property going to the north. It's about an hour south of Buffalo, which is also true, by the way. My friend and I had gotten up early to hike uh, one of the nature trails that go through the park. This part of Western York is about an hour south of Buffalo in between Seneca, uh, the Seneca Nation. The tour season in the summer had ended, and it was not yet deer season or hunting season, but the foliage was still thick. My friend and I started on a trail early, 6.30 a.m. in the morning. It was still dusk outside, and the sun was just beginning to rise. About 20 minutes into our hike, we had come to look like a marsh-like environment with fallen trees and some open spaces. <clears throat> we had stopped to survey the area just to around how beautiful the scenery was. I would like to say at this point that my friend, who is also a professional photographer, wish he had brought his camera. And after a few uh, moments, I wish he had as well. As we stood there, we got the strange sense that we were being watched. I thought this strange considering the remoteness scenario and how early it was. As I turned around to see what was behind us, we heard a movement in the bushes. At this point, I thought it was a bear. Bigfoot had never entered my mind. We both began to make a lot of noise and talking loud enough so if it was a bear, it would run off instead of charging. After a while, we realized that it was not a bear or any other animal because with all the noise we were making, whatever it was, it was in the thickets and it had not moved. At this point, we thought it had to be human, but we neared the thickets about 50 feet from where we were standing. We heard a heavy breathing and saw through the thicket what appeared to be a very large dark form either laying down or squatting. 
My friend became very frightened, even at this point. Bigfoot had not entered our thoughts. My friend urged me to continue down the original trail and back to where we had started. We were already deep in the woods, and at least another good 20 minutes of brisk walking or running, if whatever it was in the bush decided to follow us. As we started down the trail, whatever it was in the bush darted behind the nearest tree and began to follow us. After a few minutes, this was becoming aggravating, so my friend and I thought we would stop and hide behind the nearest tree we could find to see what this thing would do. As I peered out from behind the side of the tree, what I saw is something I will never forget. When I stared at the tree and the bushes that this thing was hiding behind, and I will say not hiding well, by the way, it appeared to be a six foot that appeared to be at the six foot level of a branch. There was a dark hairy shoulder and a part of a massive forearm. At this point, I knew exactly what I was looking at. It was a seven foot tall Sasquatch with all my nerve, I tried to get my friend to see from my angle. My friend moved over to my side to get a look at this creature. Moved just enough to see the torso. And that's all my friend needed to see. And he took off. I was left standing there wondering if the reports of these things chasing people were true. But all I did was stand there waiting for me to make my move. At this point, I was scared the most. I didn't know what to do, so I began to talk to it out loud and said, We're not here to hurt you. We are just moving through. I did this in a nice, calming voice, despite the fact that my nerves were as frayed as they could be. I started down the trail in a calm, walking gait, and the Sasquatch caught right up with me, about 70 feet behind me, always staying just out of my line of view. It stopped and followed me for about half a mile from the end of the trail. <clears throat> it stopped following me about half a mile from the trail. Excuse me. When I caught up with my friend, he was too shaken to talk about him, and has never mentioned again. I've been back to the area since this incident, and my friend will not go in the woods by himself, and only with a great number of people. I like to add there was no smell associated with the sighting, no vocalization, and only heavy breathing that sounded like a low, guttural ground and some what sounded to me like lip smacking. So, fascinating. Okay, Delaware County, New York. <clears throat> this is not that far from us, a couple hours away. Uh, back in the late 1970s, my parents purchased an old farmhouse that was built in the 1880s in a small town called South Courtright, New York. The house sat on seven acres of a beautiful valley in the middle of the Catskill Mountains. The farmhouse was in dis uh, disrepair when we purchased it, but over the years they fixed it up in a very comfortable weekend and summer retreat in the urban bustle of New York City area where we lived. The trip took three and a half hours to four hours every Friday. But uh, my sister and I didn't mind it at all. One night, after we arrived at approximately 9 at night, my sister and I sat at the kitchen table eating sandwiches for dinner while my parents had cocktails in the front living room. The kitchen was at the rear of the house, and the window faced a drop-off in the property, which ran down the clearing uh, to a clear running stream. As I was eating my dinner, I was gazing out the window. It was dark, overcast, and moonless October night. As I turned my head from my facing my sister, I looked out the window, which was 12 feet from where I was sitting. And there, illuminated from the light spilling out of the kitchen, was a huge ape-like face staring back at me. It had a broad, white face with no discernible neck and shoulders spread out beyond the four-foot-wide window. The brow of the creature was heavy, and I do not recall any expression on the creature's face. It was clearly the most obviously a Bigfoot, but what was different from any description that I've ever heard before about Bigfoot, was the hair of this creature was more orange-like, not brown or black. 
At this point, I yelled and motioned to the window. My sister turned and saw the creature as well. We both yelled for my parents, but when they got there, the creature was gone. My father took a flashlight, went outside, looked for it. The ground was too hard due to autumn that year. We did not realize, however, that the creature would have had to be over nine feet tall for it to face to visible to the window of the kitchen, since the basement wall was exposed to the part of the house, and the farmhouse was built on a hill. My parents never believed uh, my sister and I, especially since the color of the beast was orange. But about two weeks later, we were read a local uh, paper in which a farmer said he spotted a big hairy creature breaking into his hen house and stealing his chickens. The color of the creature's hair was orange. <clears throat> this is a real short story. This is in Wysox, uh, Wysox Pennsylvania. <clears throat> but there's photographs for this, which mm -hmm. I, yeah, I have. And we'll have to get them on the web page. Um, and this is amazing. When you see the photographs, and when you people see the photographs, you'll know what I'm talking about. Um, a family returned from home from outing and heard screams coming from three different locations in the woods behind their home. The following day, the children discovered a dead deer with its legs wedged in the tree. The deer was dismembered and torn apart. They also found several uprooted trees, broken branches, and two large impressions in the ground. I have the photographs of the deer stuffed between the freaking tree, ripped apart, I had the photographs of the tree structures, which I don't know if any of the Sasquatches are well known for. I don't know if they're coming for it. And there's a picture of the, the footprints as well. Wow. This is a really, really a well-documented uh, situation. Uh, so we will get those pictures up uh, on the webpage uh, for people. Do uh, you have any questions? I have a lot more stories. <clears throat> yes, I don't know. There's just, see, this, this is more your area than my area. Just... I find it fascinating, I find it interesting, I just, I'm not sure how this creature could go, I mean, for all intents and purposes, they're still pretty much unnoticed, you get these reports and stuff, there's, there really isn't a boatload of physical evidence, well, no, see, this is where, that you can point to and say, well, here's, here's the problem with physical evidence, there is, excellent, Physical evidence. Okay, I'm going to start with the footprints. Okay. All right, and so you have these casts, and not just in America, but, you know, literally all around the world. But what's this take to cast in America? And we're talking casts now that I would say at least 60 to 70,000 casts out there. Sure, some are fake. Absolutely, there's fakers out there. All right, but what differentiates between the fakers and the real stuff is called something called dermal ridges. Okay. Right, what's that? Yeah, your fingerprints. All right. Um, there's a gentleman uh, that was the top forensic uh, fingerprint guy for the FBI right? for 30 years. That was what he did. Um, and he somehow, someone, you know, sent him, I think it was Dr. Jeff Mulder, which, you know, was a big guy and a uh, professor of anthropology and all sort of crap. Uh, very smart guy, well-spoken guy you see on the, the Bigfoot programs. But <clears throat> I think he contacted him or got him contacted somehow, and uh, he you know sent him some cast of you and when this FBI guy, you know, I can't think of his name right now, I'll get him later. You know, under a microscope, the same technology you would use for fingerprints, he could, he could make up the ridges, he could see them. And none of them were alike. Between all the casts from different parts of the country, none of the dermal ridges were alike, just like in a human uh, fingerprint. Mm -hmm. Um, and the way they're run, 
it'd be almost impossible to, you know, fabricate. You know, it's not like you just do it with a stick or you know, a right. razor blade or something like that. These are trained scientists. They know what to look for. This is what their jobs were. <clears throat> Say the dermal ridges on these footprints from all over the world that are legit, okay? And none of them are too, none two are alike. Then you have, and people are like, well, there was the DNA. There is DNA. This is what's fascinating about it. The hair they samples. They can't match. The hair samples match. No known mammal or animal. Nothing. Nothing out there. The closest is between, I think it's a, a chimp and a human. It's the closest match, but nothing, it's not exact, 100%. So, the missing link, if you will. The hair samples are genetically proven to be from an animal we don't know. So even if it is a giant, not a 10-foot creature running out there, we know for a fact there's a creature out in the woods right now that it's hair, genetically, it's genetic hair, does not match any known animal. So we know there's an unknown animal. Now, whether it's 10 feet tall or not, that's, okay, granted, I'll, I can, I'll give you that. But we know there's an unknown animal at this point. That's a fact. Okay? Now, the cool thing about these hair samples, we have them from all around the country, and they've been tested, a lot of them. Those unknown samples all match each other. Each other. Okay? So we know that they're all through the United States. These are the little facts that get lost, you know, and you know, and everything. <clears throat> so that's kind of cool. All right. Is there any speculation that this is a cold-blooded creature, not a warm-blooded creature? Um, I. There could be people who have that idea. Um, I. I've never heard it talked about before. Because wouldn't you think at this point they would be using a lot more thermal energy, thermal cameras, oh, thermal surveillance I was on to, try to, to, try to, yep. to try to catch this thing? No, I was on at teams. At least a glimpse. I, had, I was on teams that had that equipment. No joke. But nothing. But nothing. Nothing. No. That's, what, that's what I'm saying. Do you think right. maybe these are actually cold-blooded creatures? Which is unusual. Unusual that mammal-type creature would be cold-blooded, but I'm just... Curious, especially at this level of technology today, that we aren't able to pinpoint this thing. Well, and I tell these these things they're not they're animals, but they're not they're not they're not dumb. They're, these things they've made it their nature survive is dumb. Their nature survive is high. You know, right. they're not they. They have, I believe they have a, a language. I believe they have communication, great communication skills. Um, I've heard the communication skills in use. Um, actually, and it's, it's unfortunate because I took a couple people, Will and Steve, on a Sasquatch. And we're, we're going, by the way. Well, right, and this, right. this is an A open, couple things happened. This is something right out of the SS Minnow. Yeah, a couple things happened. Okay. Uh, one, I poked my fucking eye out with a stick. You did. True story. And uh, the second thing that happened was, because I was in so much pain, I had gin and tonics. So I made it with gin and tonics. And I, we got plastered. Now, these are nocturnal creatures. You want to stay up at night. We were we done by 1134 o'clock right now. Okay, we were out cold. I wasn't out cold because I was in fucking pain. Half drunk, but in pain. So, I heard noises at night. Mm -hmm. I heard whistling. I heard whistling, you know, from, you know, 
300 yards away and I heard whistling from 300 yards away. And it was obvious to me that there was things communicating back to each other, okay? Now, where we were was a hotbed for Sasquatch studies in the past years, which I had my first, you know, where I actually heard one, the scream for the first time, mm -hmm. over and over and over and over again. Right. Um, this is the same general area. Um, and these things are known to whistle to each other as a way of communicating. Uh, story after story after story about them whistling in the woods <clears throat> to communicate to one another. Um, so, these things aren't stupid. They have the, the point I'm trying to make is they have the language, they have a way of communicating. Right. I don't think they, I don't think they are, and I, I get they remain hidden. That's part of their you know, charm. But I'm just thinking, again, with the level of technology, and, you know, if they're, they're out and about and moving, if they're warm-blooded, they've got to be giving up a heat signature. You would, you would think so, yes. Unless they're cold-blooded. And they're basically at the same temperature as whatever their surroundings are. True. Maybe their hair hides us a little bit. Well, okay. So, I, guess, I guess that would be part of it, too. I guess that's something. Um, you know, one lady, it's not in this... This group of stories out here, but one lady said that uh, after she saw what she saw, because they were walking on a path on a trail, and they came around a bin, and you know they had a clear view for like 50 yards, and kept walking, walking, and you could see everything, and you know once they got to a certain point, all of a sudden there was a Sasquatch there, you know, 10 foot, 10 foot taller, you know, mm -hmm. real big monster, you know, three yeah. and a half feet wide, shoulders, and that kind of thing. He was a big son of a bitch, and you know, and. There was no way in her mind that she could not have seen this thing before she did. Unless it had ninja-like capabilities. There was just no way. And then it saw her. She saw it. And she looked back, looked at her friend to see if her friend was seeing it. And when she turned back, it was already gone. That lady has never bagged back in the woods again. She used to love to hike, loved it, loved her favorite to walk her dogs, that kind of shit. Well, you yeah, never been there. Because she, she, said, she couldn't even watch the movie Predator after this. Because the predator could blend in with surroundings so easily. And she looked back, she's like, that's exactly how I felt. This thing, whatever it was, could blend in at its will. Whether it be speed or the color of its hair, whatever it could do, it could camouflage itself with its surroundings instantly. And that's what the Indian legends talk about, this thing. that You could walk right up on it and you not even know it's there. It would, they were called tree peekers. They'd actually peek around a tree at people. And when a person would look... It wouldn't be there because it, it was able to move so quickly around the other side of the tree. The red, you know, big red ones, that kind of thing out in California. Um, interesting stuff. Tree pickers. Uh, oh, we have a little more time for a few more stories. What do you think? Sure. Okay. Well, all right. This is uh, sure. the Allegheny Mountain area of Pennsylvania, where I was close to when I was on vacation. I was literally 20 Almost miles. Out. 20 Almost miles out. from here. 20 miles. Stone throw. Stone throw. Stone throw. Wonder. Uh, there we go. I had seen something really strange in the Allegheny Mountains. I was camping up there with family one uh, and one afternoon. My cousin and I were hiking, and we heard a grunting sound. It was like no sound I've heard before. It smelled really bad around the area, and we were hiking in. Okay, he's a terrible. This guy's terrible at writing shit. Okay, he just smells up really bad as they're hiking. I'll leave it at that. About twenty minutes went by, and we went along on this trail. Think that we would find some dead animal rotting the wave due to the smell that you know that we could smell. 
I just felt really weird, and the mood around the trees and everything was silent. We didn't hear any birds or any other animals. I only had my buck knife with me, uh, however, at the moment. I never would have thought that I would ever, ever challenge uh, what I saw with just a honey knife. I'm not sure why I put that in there. I should delete some of this stuff from these devices. <clears throat> my cousin told me that we were, should head back to our campsite, our campsite, but I said no. I said we have to keep on going, and about 20 feet away, the sing rang down through the trees. It was huge. It had long brownish hair. And this was no deer I ever, or white deer I've ever seen, or bear. Uh, anyway, my cousin and I freaked out, and we were running away at full force in the woods back to our campsite. I'm six foot two, and this thing was definitely taller than I am. We were all the way back to camp, and we were trying to tell everyone, but we could hardly breathe. We were so scared and out of breath. My family was scared because we both were sweating and shaking, and they knew we weren't messing around. I mean, my grandfather didn't believe me at first, but then he realized I wasn't a kid anymore, and this was something we couldn't make up and the way we were acting. So, anyway, Sasquatch is real. I'm not sure why yes. I included that story. I think I included it because it was so ri badly written. This is just a good old boy that saw something he couldn't explain. They went after it with a buck knife. Yeah, in Pennsylvania. Moron. Yeah, in Allegheny Mountains. All right, here it goes. Another uh, Pennsylvania, 1971. Season spring, uh, Lycoming County, uh, which is about what, three hours, two and a half hours here? Mm, yeah. Like yeah, okay. Uh, Route 15 north between Liberty and Trout Run. Uh, nearest town, Steam Valley. Uh, nearest road, US 15 north. Observed. I was very young, about six or seven years old, I guess. My cousin and I were out in about half a mile from my parents' house uh, in Cogan House Township. The nearest landmark I can think of is Friar Turkey's Ranch restaurant at the top of Steam Valley Mountain. Can't make the shit up, though. No, we can't. <laughs> the area we were in was a grassy one with forests on three sides, a small stream which wide into a larger and some hundred yards or so from the site into the south. This small stream, so we thought, would be a great perfect place to make a holding pool for trout. So we decided to build about uh, halfway from the woods to the north. A large uh, stream front. Oh, we tried to build a. Okay, I gotta. <clears throat> could have wrote this a little better. <clears throat> I'll have to remember in the future to change this around. There was a swampy area just to the northeast of the site with a few trees surrounding it and a couple of large rocks. The forest to the east is comprised of thick trees and an area on the swamp site less dense. There are some small bushy trees dotted along a small stream with another grassy area just behind. Uh, and before that, thick forest to the east. There's a built watershed to the northwest, about 30 yards from the site, where it hasn't been any real use for quite some time. I suppose it's pretty much in ruin by now. <clears throat> there are traces of what used to be dirt road running over the hill to the west and down to the site area, then curving back up to the northeast side of the watershed. <clears throat> We had begun digging out the area we intended to use and then placed some rocks to form a dam. My cousin decided the rocks we were using were too small and he would probably find bigger ones downstream around the larger of the two streams. He informed me that he was going to look for them and left me there to continue with building the dam with the rocks we had. He was gone about 15 minutes or so when I noticed that the water running into the dam part I was working on was uh, as muddy as the water running uh, out and downstream. The current really wasn't swift as this stream was fed by spring. Uh, coming up from the north. I looked to see what was causing the water to be so dirty, 
And when I turned my head back to the east, I saw this large, hairy creature standing across the street from me. Uh, it was about six or seven feet away, I guess. It was massive. Hair covered it from head to toe. It had a bald-like face. Its eyes were dark and made no movements toward me uh, in any way. This creature was pretty quiet, being so big. I was terrified. I sat frozen, only able to stare at it. Its eyes. I couldn't move. I could hardly breathe. So yelling for help was out of the question. I'm older now, but I still sometimes get frightened whenever I tell someone about this day. It stood there for what seemed to be like minutes. And when I looked away, I finally was able to scream for my cousin. I guess it left, because when I looked back, after a second of yelling, it was gone. I didn't stick around to check for prints. Uh, after I told my cousin what happened, we got out of there as fast as we could. My mother didn't believe me, and I begged her to get the guns so we go out there with me. <clears throat> Since then, though, I've changed my mind about the method of finding the creature. I believe that the only way this thing should be trophied is by camera or just by playing sight. <clears throat> so, uh, we're there for you. Okay. Oh, this is a great story. This is right where we're going to be. <clears throat> right where we're going to be. Oh, my by friend. all means, let's hear this thing. Yeah. <clears throat> Location details. The trail I was jogging on was at the base of one of the hills that surrounds the Shemung Valley. The trail itself is approximately a quarter of a mile long, fairly clear and about two feet wide, surrounded by woods on both sides. The trail itself, as well as the hill, is located in the outskirts of a city proper, actually the town of Elmire versus the city of Elmire. It was very cold that it was very cold that the snow was ice crusted and it was very easy to discern footsteps in the woods. <clears throat> <laughs> there are a number of trails that diverge from this one that lead up over the hill, and the hill is probably 150, 200 feet tall with a gentle slope. Observed. This incident uh, occurred in late February 1989, approximately 10 p.m. Uh, conditions that night were very clear and cold, with a fairly decent amount of moonlight. Uh, as I recall, there was about four inches of old snow on the ground, and it was very cold that evening, so the snow was ice-crusted and made a good deal of noise when stepped on. I was jogging on a trail that approximately one quarter of a mile long. The trail itself is very clear, about two feet wide, and ran across the base of one of the hills that surrounds the Shimon Valley. Uh, the surrounding area was heavily forested, uh, with a mix of trees common to upstate New York. The incident itself occurred when I was about halfway through the trail. At this point, the canopy of trees was thick, and I was running, and I heard a distant sound of footsteps about 20 or so feet in the tree line off to my right. Being slightly startled, I picked up my pace a bit, but at this point, I believe it was a deer in the woods. Um, the trail itself is a common deer path. Uh, although I was startled, I figured I had spooked a deer and expected to hear the deer uh, recede in the woods in the opposite direction. Instead, I heard the footsteps move parallel to the direction I was running. This immediately set me uh, in a street of fear. Uh, so I live in this New York, uh, upstate New York all my life and know very well that deer would bolt in the opposite direction if startled. I ran faster, and as I did, the footsteps in the woods uh, quickened. <coughs> Thinking that I may have uh, be hearing nothing than the echo of my own footsteps, I stopped dead in my tracks to test my theory. When I did, the steps continued for another two or three seconds, stopped slightly ahead of me and to my right. I stayed there for another ten seconds or so, trying to discern what the sound might mean. And while I waited there, I could clearly hear what sounded like a slight side-to-side -side movement off in the woods as if someone was stepping from one foot to the other anxiously. I attempted to see in the tree line, but could not 
see that far in the woods clearly. About 10 seconds or so, I began to jog again and try to convince myself I was hearing things and I was spooking myself up. <clears throat> when I had gone about five feet, the footsteps began again. It was very clear to me that sounds were coming from, the bi from a biped, as the footfall sounded like of a person versus a dog or a deer. What spooked me was for every two or three steps I was taking, this individual, for lack of a better term, uh, in the woods was taking one. I'm six foot four, mind you, uh, and at the time was taking the longest strides I could. Uh, the thought kept racing through my mind that this was either someone having fun with me, and this thought was dispelled by the apparent giant strides I heard, or that I was alone in the woods like a psychopath with very large legs, but not a joke. The most distilling element of this at this time was the fact that I'm over six feet tall and at that time weighed excess of 250 pounds, mostly muscle. So I figured whoever was not intimidated by my physical presence uh, made, uh, made me run even faster at record speed through trail. Uh, I exited onto a service road next to the local golf course. At this point, I ran across 10 feet or so in a clearing at the edge of the trail and stopped to look back into the woods. I continued, to hear, I continued to hear the footfalls until they stopped at the edge of the tree line. At this point, I was standing under a fluorescent light, as such lost any night vision that I had acquired. Consequently, I could hear, not identify any shape or form in the woods. I did clearly hear what sounded to be heavy breathing and a light, throaty rumble. My initial thought was it sounded like someone with a respiratory condition sitting in a tree line. Then I heard a tree branch snap. At this point, I turned and ran at breakneck speed across the golf course. Looking back over my shoulder every 10 or feet or so, at one point I tripped and remembered thinking that tripping like, <laughs> tripping like that only occurred in the movies. A few minutes later, I exited the golf course out of the mail, uh, the mail streets in the town of Elmira, and I've not used that trail at night ever since. At the time of the incident, I did, extreme, I did feel extremely scared, <clears throat> but in retrospect, I feel that there was no real threat in the incident. Whoever or whatever was in the woods that night could have clearly done me harm if they so wished. Uh, but the entire time, whatever stayed 20 feet or off to my right. <clears throat> I have not given this incident a great deal of thought since the occurrence until I was re uh, reviewing uh, this location and noted a sighting of a Bigfoot in the area not too consistent from my, uh, my, from, from my own experience. I asked a friend of mine who lives in the area of the documented site and that he knew of Bigfoot. And he indicated that for years people have stated they have seen Bigfoot in the woods of Connecticut Hill, about 15 miles from where I was. I do not know if there's a Bigfoot, but something in the woods uh, that night, uh, sun made, was too large to be a person, and definitely was bipedal. Um, <coughs> great story about where we're going. Right. Okay, the, the road. Connecticut Hill is like this big area, okay, and there's a road that has access roads in Alpine that lead, there's one main road that goes up from there on that side. Well, the main road that runs along there, um, and there's a sighting for this as well, and I actually, the woman's, uh, the man that saw it was his brother, okay, they were driving a truck. Uh, his wife is on my Facebook page. She's actually a writer. So... This had happened about 15 years ago, maybe 20 years ago now. <clears throat> and they were driving back from somewhere. It was evening. It was around 9 p.m. And uh, it was summer months? It was summer months. So it was somewhat daylight. You still see, but it was getting dark. 
and uh, you're coming to an area that had cornfields on one side, and I've been down this. I saw turtles through here before. Not this matter, but a cornfield on this side is all swampy, muddy shit, and then it goes right up into the, the woods of Connecticut Hill. Anyway, so uh, they're driving, and there's a fire truck coming, screaming down from the opposite direction, and the sirens are blaring. And all of a sudden, this thing pops up out of the, the cornfield, runs across the road in front of him, and he yells to his brother who's driving, don't hit that kid. And as he hit the word kid, he noticed immediately this thing was, you know, close to eight feet tall. It was no kid. It was covered mm -hmm. in hair. Went over the road, down the embankment, and off into the marsh area. Hmm. True story. True story. Happened right there. And that's just one of many in that area. The only reason I'm relaying that story is I actually know the, you know, the gentleman's wife. Right. You know, true story. So this will be interesting. This is, see, the ghost thing. See, I don't care about the ghost. The ghost ain't, I, I've got no fear about doing paranormal investigations and things like that. That's bumps and noises and things moving things. But this is, this could be actually be a physical creature. This could be a... Flesh and blood, firm blood, whatever you want to call it, right there up in your face, not a metaphysical ectoplasmic thing. Well, you know, I don't go into the woods without a gun. I never go into the woods without a gun. Oh, yeah. And not just because I tell people all the time something eaten by a bear. It's actually more than that. Um, when you read as many reports as I have about Sasquatch and the missing people reports and that kind of stuff in forest. I don't take any chances. Nothing's eating my ass. <laughs> Nothing's happening. Jeffy's not dying. It's been for a You know, yeah. I'm not going to be a chicken wing for a Sasquatch. <laughs> not going to happen. Well, so I guess, it, yeah, I think it just... I might actually be... a little anxious. Well, most people are. Um, I get anxious now. I wasn't... When I first started doing this, the first time it... The first time I went up there, I took uh, Heather and the, the two kids, and they were young. You know, he was eight years old, and Connor was like two. We went up there as a family you know, camping slash Bigfoot research thing. The first time I took the family up there, I expected nothing to happen the first time I camped there. Nothing. And that's when I had my encounter, and that changed me. That We yeah, left that day. We, we, we left that day. This. We didn't stay another night. We left we that day. About this. That changed me. And ever since then, when I go back... <clears throat> I take at least one dog with me, so I have some kind of alert status, and I'm always armed. I sleep armed. I don't play around, okay. you know. So, uh, so. See, and I guess I'm saying anxious because, like, you know, this. I, you know, I have a carry, and I carry a lot now. Uh, there's thing going on in the world, and I don't think I'd have a problem putting a human down. I think it would be a clear and present danger with a human. I would, I got to that point I had to draw down on a human. I'd put him down because that's why I had to draw down on him. Right. This is something I might actually, I might actually hesitate. Because I don't know what its intent is. Right. Right. You know what I'm saying? You know, you know what I'm saying? I mean, right. No, I'm not going to try and kill one. No, I'm no, not no. I'm not saying that. But, like, no, no, I see one blow its head off. That's not what it's about. No, no. And I know that. I'm just saying, but if you find yourself in that situation where... You know, this thing can close a twenty-yard distance quicker, quicker than you can blink. That's gotta 
that's got to that's got to raise your alert status up. It's got to change the parameters of shoot, don't shoot. You know what I'm saying? Right. Well, I actually thought about that a little bit in my mind of what would happen if I was in that situation. And A, more likely it'd be at night and we're going to see a lot to begin with. You'd be on the edge of the fire, out in the area. You're not going to see shit. You know, these woods are dark. Right? Yeah. You, know, you can't see shit. Um, without a flashlight. You know, I have high power flashlights so I have those. So if I see the thing, see the flashlight, whatever, um, and I thought about this, you know, I want to study it. I would hope to be, uh, be calm enough. I probably won't be. I'll probably be a nervous bitch. But I'd be hoping <laughs> I'd be calm enough to study it because I'm staring at it, you know, taking details of facial features or its hands or its arms or whatever. It, it, it's distance from the branch, right. you know, where its head is and that kind of thing. But there's the other side of me that says shoot into the air to scare the thing. You know, I mean, that's the other... But... And again, there's enough information about this thing. But is that going to scare us? Is it going to provoke it? Right, exactly. We don't know. The investigations are all there. <laughs> <laughs> and again, I would, I would have... Where I would have no reservation putting down one of my own species, I might actually hesitate before taking that shot. You know, here's another funny thing I do, too. Ever since that night... I never, when I go out looking, I never park the vehicle forward where I have to reverse. That was a situation. Well, yeah, it's, it's, I always now back in. That's always. Even when I go to work now, I do it. Yeah, that's, that's habit. That's basically one. Right? Yeah, I always back. Oh, no, uh, uh-uh. uh, no, <laughs> not happening. No way. I'm thinking there's two of us. We're also get a clean shot. Well, yeah. more like we'll, we'll we'll bring one dog with us and maybe Keegan. Keegan might want to join Ooh, us. Ooh, Keegan. Yeah. All right. Yeah. So, so we, can, we can leave we him can, this. We can feed him Keegan. Yeah, we feed him Keegan. We'll get the hell out Keegan of here. Keegan can be. Fine. You know, we so. stake Keegan down. Yeah. <laughs> like those goats in Jurassic Park. But uh, <laughs> <laughs> we'll see. I'm not sure he's in the car now, but we'll see. But me and you definitely go bring one dog with us. And, yeah, definitely. Armed. Lots of tools, lots of uh, stuff. <clears throat> I'm listening now, do you drive right, right up to where your campers are hiking? No, we're going to. Because we're going to go to an area that's going to be easy for you to access. Um, I have a spot. We parked a vehicle at about 50 yards in the woods. I have a campsite set up. Okay. You have to walk up some, a little bit. Uh-huh. You know, uh, nothing too drastic. No. <clears throat> no. I'll carry most of the equipment or keep it in those. You don't have to worry about it. See, and I'll probably be up most of the time because I have sleep apnea and I won't have access to my sleep machine. That's perfect. So, whatever sleep I get, it won't be sound sleep. Cobra, booze. <laughs> booze and guns, what <laughs> can go wrong, yeah, right? You want to try and kind of stay sober for your first. Booze and guns, what can go wrong? These things are active to about three or four in the morning, so that's going to be my, you know, my, hopefully we'll get some. Because it was when I got woken up, when I had my encounter, mm. I didn't look at my watch, but I have a good sense of time, and it was between one thirty and two a.m. And I'll never forget that goddamn night the rest of my life. <laughs> I'll never forget it. Is that what you hear in the beginning of the show? Mm-hmm. That's what I heard. That's yes. what I heard. Yeah. That scared the shit right out of me. I was shaking. I had a fully loaded sixteen gauge next to me, and I was shaking in fear. 
I will shake it. <laughs> I may break it off the Well, we are past our time. Well, we so, are past our time. Uh, again, thank you, Renee, Diversity Broadcasting. Happy birthday. www.diversitybroadcastingnorth.com. Uh, Friday nights, 9 o'clock, 9 to 11 is our time slot. Uh, or 11.07 or 11.10, <laughs> whatever. Um, tune in, listen, send us some email, give us some feedback. Um, let's talk it all dot com. Let's talk it all. And we, you know, you got a topic we haven't talked about. We hit on, we hit on a lot of things. Sometimes we repeat ourselves. That's all right. Um, we'd love to hear from you. We love to delve into things that maybe we haven't talked about. Yep. We don't, we don't, we haven't covered all of it, but we do talk about it all. So we'll, we'll jump into that and, uh, we'll have some other stuff coming up here shortly. So we can look at it and, Always a good, always a, always a good time, and I will turn over to Jeff for a closing thought. I didn't really have a closing thought tonight, so I'm gonna steal one from the playbook. You know, someone we know, you know. Remember, we're not an investigation. You are the best piece of equipment. Everything else just takes batteries. Yeah, that's what your ex-wife said. Right.